Today on the Zabecast, so the Astros' sign-stealing scheme was a hot, complicated, all-over-the-place mess. But it didn't really work. I discussed with my favorite Astros Hardo fanboy, Scotty Tuhati from H-Town. Super Bowl mop-up, everything from handshakes to the KC model, and Nigel Farage's epic bike drop. Your bonus, 45 minutes of me, is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Wednesday, February 5th, 2020. Thank you for downloading. Some mop-up to be done, as we will do all week on Super Bowl 54. Nailed it. Andy Reid apparently did not shake Kyle Shanahan's hand after the game. I have not watched the end of this. I have not had access to any DVR to really go over this, and I will just take it. I'll take everyone's word for it that's been emailing me that that did not happen. I said, well, isn't it the responsibility or sort of the duty of the vanquished coach to go prove that he is not a sore loser and to seek out and not leave the field of battle until he has shook the hand of the victorious coach? Well, they said that actually Kyle Shanahan was waiting around But the mob of people, the swarm of people on the field, the swarm of people on the tightly controlled, high-security NFL field after a Super Bowl uh, did not allow Kyle Shanahan to make his way towards Andy Reid. What should happen is the NFL should equip both coaches with one of those giant flags on a big bendy pole that pops up. As soon as the game is over, they're wearing like this little vest that has the, the flag in it. And as soon as they're boop, it's a 10-foot flag so you can see each other. That's disappointing. Although everyone talks about Andy Reid with the highest of praise, so I doubt there is any hard feelings here. And maybe Shanny Jr. didn't give it enough of a try. Either way, a little disappointing. I like I liked that as a honorary tradition. And you can say, what's the big deal? They talk before the game. They're in the same coaches' fraternity. They're going to see each other in a month in Arizona in Hawaiian shirts. What's the big deal? It's not a big deal. It's a little deal. Sometimes I, like others, relish and celebrate and make sure to protect all the little deals in sports. So there you go. The Patrick Mahomes dinner story apparently was a tired retread of another uh, of a story that was written about Troy Palamalu, or as I like to call him, Palamalu. Apparently, this was written years ago, and and it is now, I guess, become it's becoming like a meme almost, or a oft repeated tale. Uh, not unlike the the uh, the woman who a man meets at a hotel on a business trip, impossibly beautiful, takes her back to his hotel room. Next thing you know, he wakes up in the morning in a tub full of ice with a note scrawled in lipstick on the mirror. I've removed your kidney. You need to go see a doctor immediately. Oh, that was a good story for so many years. Then the internet came along and they're like, no, that's bullshit. Maybe the uh, buy dinner for everybody thing is just 
the new version of that. Maybe Mahomes did. Maybe Mahomes sort of did that. Maybe Patrick Mahomes would have done that. I don't know. But I feel like I've been catfished. Speaking of Troy Palomalu, who is now in the Hall of Fame or has been uh, elected. He is in the Hall of Fame. He'll be inducted. Elected, then inducted. Nominated, elected, inducted. There you go. Nailed it. Um, Interesting story from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Let me give this guy credit. DK Pittsburgh Sports. This guy, yeah, there it is right there. Um, DK Pittsburgh Sports. Home, subscribe. God, you would think they would put our staff... What is the about? About home, about us. Okay, it's a good website. Oh, Dejan, Dejan Kovacevic. Uh, and he talks about, you know, how he uh, started the site. I think, I think it's mostly a pay site, although I'm reading this for free. Anyway, I recommend the story, DKPittsburghSports.com. And he writes about how Troy Palomalo has been essentially estranged from the Pittsburgh organization, the Steeler organization, since he retired. But in talking to Palomalo, he said, well, not really estranged. It's just once I stopped playing football, I realized, okay, I've got to go to a new new phase in my life. I need to educate myself, and I need to get into something else. And so he felt like I didn't want to just be that football player who comes back and, ah, it's Troy Palomalo. He also apparently did not like it when – the organization, basically, they, they told him, we'd like you to be a, a captain in your final season. He had always been a more uh, quiet leader and did not really want that captain's C on his jersey. But at the end of his tenure, maybe the last year, I'm not sure, uh, they said, could you do that? And he did because he's a good teammate, but he hated it. He hated it, he said, because a lot of the things he was seeing, he didn't like. And he points to three guys, Antonio Brown, uh, Martavis Bryant, and Le'Veon Bell. And he said it was really hard to have to parent the team in addition to playing at a high level. So he didn't really have good vibes about it, but it was an interesting story about how a guy who was going into the Hall of Fame has basically said, thanks for the great career, see you later. A one-team Hall of Famer, Otoff. I recommend reading it. Will Compton, ex-Redskin linebacker and overachiever, good guy, good with the media, tweeted, shout out to Bashad Breland and Kendall Fuller for both getting interceptions in the Super Bowl. Uh, Breland with uh, both guys now with Kansas City. Pretty sure about that. And he included a picture of Bruce Allen (laughs) in his most clownish of poses wearing a yellow sweater in the summer for some reason, as well as uh, drinking deeply from a bottle of water while sweating profusely. Probably a training camp. Who knows why he was in a yellow sweatshirt? But it just makes him look stupid. He's 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 got his head tilted back, Bruce Allen. He's just pouring the water down his throat. Uh, now, now this is killing me. See, I, I can't type and talk at the same time. It's just unbelievable. I just want to make sure that I've got this right because you know, I don't need 20 emails saying I'm wrong about shit. 
Yeah, Kendall Fuller, corner, and Bashad Brillen, starting corners for your world champion, Kansas City Chiefs. So, yeah, he included a picture of Bruce Allen with just a shout-out. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Fuck Bruce Allen. It's fantastic. Uh, other mop-ups from the Super Bowl. So, Goodell rewards Jay-Z with this sweet, sweet deal of working with the league in developing musical acts, especially with the halftime at the Super Bowl. It's a hell of a deal. It's a deal that, of course, Goodell felt like he had to strike because this sort of trend had gotten around that you know these artists were going to start boycotting the NFL because they were branding the NFL as racist. And Goodell, being the weak leader that he is, caved and sat down with Jay-Z and was like, oh my God, help me out. All these black artists and black you know, entertainers are going to say no to us and we're going to look bad. When it, a strong leader should have said, hey, fuck you, we're not racist, and we're not going to be pushed around by the Halftime Act. We're a football league. So if you, if people that are under your label or anyone you know in the industry wants to boycott us, fuck off. We'll just say we would have never had you in the first place. And, by the way, we're going to leverage what we've got as a league against you. So if you really think that's a good way to go, have at it. But Goodell's a coward. So he rewards Jay-Z with this sweet deal to help produce the halftime shows. And how does Jay-Z reward Goodell for this? By sitting during the anthem with Beyonce and and with their, their I think their daughter, son, I don't know how many kids they have. There's one of the kids was there. They grow up so fast, hard to keep track. I thought it was great. It's like, yeah, oh, there you go, Goodell. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Uh, the commissioner apparently is going soft on Antonio Brown now. And... I read one article, I think it was Charles Robinson on Yahoo Sports, said, you know, it's looking like Antonio Brown might get another chance. (laughs) Look at amazing. And the Antonio Brown rehab tour has begun. He has apologized to the entire Hollywood, Florida Police Department. He has uh, gone on in an exclusive interview with Josina Anderson and said, if not all the right things, some of the right things. And then he tweeted today at Michael Vick, if Michael Vick can make a comeback, I can too. V7, if you in Florida, let's throw and talk about a comeback. It would be an honor. Well, maybe I shouldn't give up on that hope that Antonio Brown will be given an insane and inexplicable 15th chance to get back in the league and 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 be a productive player for somebody. Maybe maybe he will play a snap next year. Who knows? I'm shocked at what has turned about in the last couple of weeks. And then there's this. No Super Bowl mop-up would be complete without a reminder that the Chiefs won, in part, because of the vaunted Kansas City model. They have got to follow the Kansas City model. How, what is the Kansas City model? I haven't been to the Super Bowl in 50 years. It's it's winning games, Mike. Wait a second. How did the Giants follow the Kansas City model? The Kansas City model, they won 22 games before they handed it in two years to Mahomes. The Giants have won eight games in the last two years. How is that following the Kansas City model? If that's what they need him to do. Well, how is the he? So, so, wait a second. You just said his job is to break in the next quarterback. If that's what the organization needs, and that's what they need now, Mike. The Kansas City model is the What way. is the Kansas City model? <laughs> 
Explain to me what the Kansas City model is. Michael, Michael, I'm trying to... What is it? Tell me what it is. Explain the Kansas City model. I'm listening. All right. The Kansas City model has been incredibly successful for the past couple of years. What is it? The The Kansas City model, Mike, they've been incredibly successful, like you said. They've won, like, nine games. What is the Kansas City model? Explain it to me in words what it is. I gotta stop it. I'm laughing too hard. If if Mike Francesa were a Muppet made out of felt, being operated by a guy with his hand inside of him and strings, it couldn't be more perfect. <laughs> the guy, the guy was just trolling him. Kansas City model. That's all. And he purposely kept not saying what the quote model was. Oh. That is that is fantastic. Finally, this before we talk some baseball. Boo! I will turn this podcast around. Uh, this one, a tweet from a real human being with no name posted, so I won't bother giving him credit because you don't want credit because your real name is not on your Twitter account. That's fine. Works for me. Works for you. Let's go. He tweets, the Super Bowl reiterates that no matter how badass your D is, your secondary can ruin it for you. Bosa and the big boys were like badass bank robbers in a gang whose getaway driver parked in the handicapped spot and got a ticket. <laughs> That's a good one right there. That's not a bad tweet. Nothing like Larry Gatlin and the Gatlin brothers singing Houston. I've given my next guest and my good friend time to process all this stuff with the Astros. Let's see what he's doing this morning. What in the world are you playing? Ah, uh, Houston, of course. Of course, Gatlin Brothers. <laughs> if you got a better song for yourself, then you go ahead and pick it. By the way, uh, we got a big oh, echo going on right now. I don't okay. know what that's all Hang about. On. All right, Hank. Uh, work on your Bluetooth there, as I say. There we go. No, no. Uh, Is that, that better? There you go. That's a lot better. All, all right. right. Just fine. I, just, I took out the headset. No Bluetooth. We'll talk like this. All right. Scotty Shirey, veteran of Zabe Vegas, veteran of the Malcolm McLeod Memorial, soon to be veteran of Zabe Vegas, Scot- Zabe Scotland 2020. Biggest Astros honk I've ever known. Honk. I've given I've given it time before landing in the hot landing zone of this controversy and this whole sure. uh, thing. And another, by the way, another sworn enemy of replay, a double sworn enemy of foul territory oh, nets God. that obstruct views. And most importantly, former sports anchor for KAIT Channel 8 in Jonesboro, Arkansas, in Region 8, where I hear local news, Scott, comes first. Always. Well, Ab- absolutely and without a doubt, always comes first. <laughs> and now turn and now turn highly successful medical device salesman to the stars, Razorback Forever, Pig Suey. Okay, we got all the intros out. How we doing, boy? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, how are you doing, brother? How you Yankee? How you bastards doing down there in Houston? <laughs> it's. Uh, I will tell you, Steve. It is. We haven't talked in a while. It, it is interesting times down here. We definitely have. Um, 
you know, I, the mentality now is really turning into an us versus them because it seems to be the piling on just won't stop. And again, justifiably so. But you do get to the point where some of these guys working for the athletic go, oh, okay, you've made your point. You know, let's, <laughs> That's let's enough move now. along. Okay. Yeah, it really, it really is. But anyways, but um, well, let me yeah, let it, me frame it. Let me frame it this way. To me, sure. looking from afar, this whole story is like a fireworks warehouse that has caught fire, and every time you think that all the ordnance has cooked itself off, another flurry starts to explode. And it's that's, that's not, good. You know, it's not necessarily new stuff, but it's people looking at the, the, the stuff that's there in a different way. Notably the fan who matched up some what yeah. eleven hundred trash can bangs in so the twenty seventeen season with the video of the games themselves. Steve, not to correct you, not eleven hundred, eight thousand two hundred and seventy four pitches where there was a bang or no bang detected. Wait, I thought... That's insane. I thought thought it was 8,000 pitches that yielded Mm -hmm. 1,400 bangs. Oh, no, No? it yielded yielded 1,100 bangs. So it was actually slightly less. But, I mean, that's that's fine. I I certainly, just if we're going to look at the the, the specific analytics, that's roughly, because I'm looking at it right now, I sent you the website, that's 13.8% of bangs out of pitches. That is, that is, uh, it, here's the thing. Now, again, Steve, I want to say this because I don't want you catching emails. I know, I know you catch a lot of shit from a lot of different people. No, I take on, all the emails. I delete them quick if they bother me, but yeah, send them <laughs> well, my way. The, the kicker of it is, is neither of us are going to sit here and try to defend the fact that they cheated. We talked about that. Uh, they, they absolutely did. Uh, my household has, has been battling with this. As you know, my, my lovely bride, Tina lives and dies by this baseball team and it really has affected her. So neither of us are actually defending the cheating. What's interesting is to take a look at is how dismissive the, the results were regardless of whether there was cheating or not. Now that you look at it, what's terribly frustrating is it's really clear that it didn't have that big of a statistical impact and it makes it all the more frustrating. Why in the world would you do something to jeopardize that type of run when you're not getting the results that you think you're going to get. It just it's sort of like the kid who cheats on the test who's already an A student and already knows the material, but just doesn't trust his right. ability to perform. That's what bothers me the most is it's just you know, and who that, was, the leadership Who so, was the guy who was the guy that who was the fan that looked at all the pitches? Was he an the Astro guy, fan? The, the, uh, yeah, he actually said straight up, Tony Adams is his name. Um, and honestly enough, I think he's like a graphic design guy by by uh, Trade. by career path. So he um, he had he just said, "Look, I'm a huge Astros fan. This really bothered me from an ethical and moral standpoint. I've got the time. I'm going to sit down and spend 50 plus hours yeah. going over just the, the 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 hitting and start counting the audible bangs that you can you can hear. It. I'm sure I don't know if you've listened to it or not. You can definitely hear them." He went through and pulled out, I believe it was 58 games. He said he couldn't get all of the home games. So they're, they're missing about 30 games, I believe, Oh wow! Um, at Minute Bay Park. So he got close to it. But again, if you're going to – the fun part of it is, 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 my God, he did such an amazing job doing this. And then one of the guys that used to work for 538 named Rob Arthur. Rob actually said, okay, I'll take the bangs and I'll actually look at – 
the pitches and calculate was right. it a fastball, was it an off-speed pitch, and his results. Now, he's behind a little bit of a paywall, but from what I can read, and he actually has it listed up here, is, you know, the efficacy – God, I'm now, I'm now I'm doing medical speak on Nerd. you. <laughs> the <laughs> efficacy of how effective the bangs were correlates directly to how accurate, whether or not it was an actual fastball or off-speed pitch, meaning the pitchers were changing their signals or the so, catchers were changing <clears throat> their signals. All right, so one of the things from the guy who counted the bangs, the yeah. fan, the graphic yeah. designer, was yeah. that he believes it 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 counter contradicted it counter it contradicted Manfred's assertion in the eight page report that the bangs were for breaking pitches or curveballs or 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 off speed pitches only that the correlation actually doesn't show any sort of relationship that Manfred and the commissioner's office might have gotten that wrong or maybe that's what they were told by those who you know fessed up to the scheme yeah. Absolutely right. When you look at it, um, you can see, okay, well, and, and then if you if you look at some of the video of, okay, you can drill down and say, let's look at Alex Bregman on this particular thing, you know, for this particular pitch, you hear a bang. It's an off-speed pitch. Bregman misses wildly at it, which means it's it, it was an off-speed pitch, but it wasn't the off-speed pitch that they were expecting. That's what's interesting about this even more. If you have a pitcher with three actual pitches and two of them are breaking pitches, you don't know which breaking pitch is coming. Right. Even though it's been signaled, quote unquote. So that's, again, that's what's so maddening about all of this. It was an utter crapshoot of, okay, I'm going to hang back and see this is going to be a breaking ball. Oh, shit. It was a curveball. I was expecting an inside slider. I've swung and, and now I'm sitting here on my ass. So what's it's almost really fun. It's almost like it's almost like the uh, the Astros were guessing, then banging, and then the batters were sometimes acting on it, and sometimes they probably weren't. Sometimes they might have spaced out and not heard the bang. So it's almost impossible to to really pin down with all those variables. Was the initial yep. guess correct on the signal? Uh, did That's the fair. did the bang reach the batter's ears in time for him to uh, process it? And then uh, yep. were they actually acting on it, or did they see a pitch come and go? No, nah, I'm not swinging at that. No matter if it was a bang right. or not a bang. Well, Steve, we've we've been about we've been around ball players a lot our entire lives, and I think the one factor that no one really wants to factor into this, this is going to sound really mean. Ball players aren't exactly the the sharpest tools in the shed on some <laughs> no. things, so. Um, and they're superstitious as and, fuck. Yeah, oh, so read my mind. Read so was, my mind. So I was thinking about this, Scott. I said they should have a guy in the dugout bang a trash can in full view of everybody, not to say we're cheating again, but just as a comfort food for the batters <laughs> because it might make them feel better. Like, hey, I, I think our guy knows what the pitches are. You don't know what the pitches are. He's just banging yeah. a trash can. Yep. <laughs> that's a great point they are again like i said they uh, they're they're ter- you, you nailed it you read my mind because that was the next statement i was going to make is the stupid the superstition element of it yeah. plays into beautifully when you look at everyone wants to sort of pile on altuve because he is sort of the face of the franchise when you look at and that's what i love about Al- this guy's altuve, website it's altuve, altuve got the fewest bangs 
He did. He got. He not only got the fewest bangs, but he actually on the bangs. When you look at what Rob Arthur did, who was like I said, he analyzed each pitch. The bangs that apparently were present weren't the right pitch. So clearly he <laughs> he was getting again, bad bangs. Again, he's getting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe that's what we're going to call my college years. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, get, he was so getting bad bangs. To me. Yeah, exactly. That, I, <clears throat> yeah, and of course, it also ties into and and they address this as well. Is as Manfred's paper did say they didn't just use the trash can. There were some other things. My, I have no inside information whatsoever. But you can hear enough scuttlebutt moving around. The buzzer thing is complete nonsense. There was, I think, whistling. And I think the Yankees caught up on that. Not to give Yankees credit for anything. The whistling, I think, was probably what was used when the bangs weren't. But it's tough. we got to get you to Minute Maid Park at some point in time on the weekend so you can see the noise level. Right. It's going to be impossible to hear whistling clearly, especially if the Yankees are in town, because well, that stadium is slap full. Of course. So it's, it's, it's that's crazy for a big, like that. That's so. for a big game. But in a yeah. regular season game, I, I listened to some of the audio of the bangs, and they were yeah. mid-season, slumbery-type yeah. games where you, you could hear a yeah. lot of different things. So, yeah. yeah. The uh, the Detroit pitcher who backed off the mound that precipitated a steep drop in the amount yeah. of banging. Who was that guy again? Uh, was he a Detroit pitcher, or was he a White Sox pitcher? Oh, maybe it was White Sox. I forgot I his it name. Was white, yeah, it was, the, it was the guy who had said, I thought I heard something, and I can't think of his name because he's just, to me, he's just some sort of jabroni from, from Chicago. Um, he's the one that sort of, that I guess, the, what's the guy, the John Boy guy. I think he's right. the one that drilled into that. But, yeah, that was a White Sox pitcher that definitely heard the bang and backed off the mound. I'll be blunt, Steve. I think if you read the report, I think it's in the reporter. It might might have been the athletic article discussing specifically when the players started to get really nervous about all this was after that game. Right. Because I think people had figured out, okay, they've they've got us they've got us pinned in. That's why the postseason stuff. I really would love to see somebody drill into whether or not there were bangs or no bangs in the postseason. I don't think there were there were that many if at all during those home games a i was i mean i wasn't at the world series i was at the american league championship series games they were deafening loud i don't know how you could have heard anything banging from a trash can standpoint so i don't know how effective that would have been there but i would like to see that that data truthfully really really would it's just funny that all of a sudden they're like oh shit they may be on to us this pitcher just Mm -hmm. stepped off the rubber changed his signs and so we need to really tighten this up. They had so many people that were in the know as to what they were doing. How yeah. on earth did they think it was never going to get out? That goes back to what you said, which is this is a management issue. Like, how come nobody stepped up and said, fellas, listen, this is going to be a big pain in the ass for maybe a little bit of benefit. And yeah. it's forbidden by the commissioner. And one of these guys in this room is going to not be on the team at some point, and the shit's going to get out. Is it really <laughs> worth it? Nobody said that, or they just all thought, bah, who's going to catch us? Again, this is it goes back to you, you laid out you've laid out probably the majority of what probably what did occur. The one thing that I'll sort of add to that is we all know the fierce loyalty to some players to each other in, in, a, in a squad. Those ball players absolutely loved Cora. They adored him. And they also loved Carlos Beltran. 
Yeah. I think their loyalty to those veteran guys blinded them was, to stepping up to really say did. And, yeah. and maybe I'm justifying it a little bit, Stephen. I apologize yeah. if it comes off that way. But I've, again, I've known ball players my whole life. A lot of them are fiercely loyal to each other, especially guys that are veterans. Um, those two guys, I, I'll be blunt with you. And I said this all along early on, Cora puts this thing together with Beltran. If AJ Hinch gets wind of it, and says, this is done, this is over with, or I'm firing both of you, and I don't care how it affects the clubhouse, this thing doesn't catch catch air no matter what Mike Fire says. Yeah, A.J. Hinch was the, somewhat complicit in all of this, and that's what really makes it unfortunate well, because that, that it, guy is, is something else. It so. is, but the, here was the choice that Hinch had, and I'm not defending him. If of the course. scheme had already been spooled up and he decides to draw the line and say, knock it off, and if he gets pushed back and says, I will fire you, he would have to fire yeah. very popular guys in that clubhouse and on that team and then take the punishment of a cheating scheme yeah. that he would essentially blow the lid on himself and 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 submarine the whole season right there midseason. Sure. That's, that is sure. a lot to ask a guy to do based on principle. Uh, it was Danny Farquhar. Danny Farquhar. Yeah. Uh, and here was uh, the audio of... What happened here? ...and confirmation that the Astros were using a video camera to cheat and steal pitches. By the way, this is your favorite guy, John Boy. If you met John Boy <laughs> in a back alley, would you, like, go at him like a crazed weasel? Um, I'd, I'd have to be careful because I'm six foot tall and I think he's maybe five foot one with lifts. So I'm fairly certain this wouldn't be much of a, of be a, a quick scrap. Fight. To, okay. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be over pretty quick. Posing so. pitcher, Danny Farquaad, don't know if I said that right. He said, there was a banging from the dugout, almost like a bat hitting the bat rack every time a changeup signal got put down. I found the footage. Let's watch it. Here we go. You since used. Bang. That one was very slight, but he takes the changeup. Now, Farquhar looking good. Let's see. Fastball, no bang at all. Takes it. Next pitch. There's the changeup. Bang, bang, <laughs> takes it. That was there pretty was loud Austin. right now, there. Oh, like, yeah. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. What's going on here? Now, look. Fastball outside. So quick. Two signs. Geared up for the fastball. Fouls it off. Next pitch. Change up. Bang, bang. That sequence is so upsetting. Yeah, so that, that was it right there. And then Farquhar backed yeah. off the mound, and they dialed it down. Now, what about the athletic who said that the one stat you could trace to that season was that Astros hitters had their strikeout rate drop precipitously, or as they say, at the greatest rate in 100 years. It helps when you look at, so what they're comparing was the strikeout rate from 2016 to 2017, if I, if I read it correctly. And they, they, they break down a couple of individual ballplayers. Here's the kicker with that, and it's really, I mean, not to not to call the guys out too terribly much, because I've sat in that chair before writing those articles. Um, it's a little disingenuous when you look at what the lineup was and what we purged in 2016, transitioning to 2017. The guys that carried the most strikeouts that year, guys like Colby Rasmus, uh, who was the other one? Uh, Valbuena was the other one. Okay. Um, and of course, Carlos Gomez, who I think swung at everything that was white and moving at him at any kind of rate of speed. So when Mo- you carve, baseballs, moths, 
Yeah, uh, I mean, he might have been swatting at the fireflies and the fireworks at the end of Friday night, for all I know. Okay, but weren't there there individual players that were able to drastically bend their strikeout rate downward? Yes, From what I understand, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's the key. But you want to hear the scary part, Steve? And again, this is where the conspiracy theorists will just lose their minds. The strikeout ratio in 2019 was even better. It really? got better in 2018 and 2019. Wow. Yeah, if I read the data correctly, it got even better. So that's going to do one of two things. Listen to this. Either gonna ha- wow, oh, what's yeah. going on here? <laughs> they, they're using t- It's the wire theory. It's the wire theory. <laughs> it's, the, it's the magic. I want to find out where these buzzing Band-Aids are. That's, I think that, that's my second you know what? favorite. My, yeah, the buzzing Band-Aids. Band-Aids. You know what I wanted? And I thought that Wired Magazine missed a good opportunity. They could have, you know, tapped their expertise to say, does equipment like this even exist where you could do it? In other words, what transistors, what frequency do they transmit to? Hell, you're in the medical devices realm. You know about tiny batteries and implantables and everything else. (laughs) Yeah. If if these uh, things existed. Pacemakers the size of a pinky nail now. I kid you not. Pacemakers the size of a pinky nail that are actually being put in patient's house now. It's phenomenal, but not to go nerd on So couldn't they have a a vibrating Band-Aid? Oh, I'm sure they could, but again, uh, this is the point. Who makes it if it's out there, you know, the whole nine yards? I think my You and I should make it, actually. We should get a patent on it. The vibrating Band-Aid. How how good would it be? You get a vibrating band aid in party situations where you know your wife or husband can press a button or on your phone and it vibrates your band aid and then it tells you it's time to go. Um, this party is getting boring and you don't have see, to. This, can you can you have your mom um, mute for just a second because I don't want to offend her? Yes, they kind of already have those. Right, it's not a band aid. <laughs> right. That's not a Band-Aid. Well, I, I I think that Bregman had a small dildo strapped inside his butt cheeks. One of those remote-controlled ones that lets you control your lover's orgasm. And, and it was pressed every time. All right, let's uh, let's just turn the page on sure. this. i got a couple quick sure. questions, and then we're out today. All right, yes, so sir. Dusty Baker. Yeah. <laughs> I just I leave the question as open ended as the Kansas Plains, Dusty I, Baker. I, I will I, I will tell you this. I love how he went heel turn when they asked him specifically who were you rooting for in the World Series and said I certainly wasn't rooting for the Nationals. I I think that's that's uh, that might have been the winning moment for me because I'm like all right well this guy clearly you know the learners the learners I don't know you know that's your space I don't know enough about the learners relationship with yeah. Dusty Baker and how that whole break broke he, down he thought he was done wrong but yeah and so having said that there's a chip on his shoulder there's a big chip on the shoulder of this ball club right now because now I think they want to prove it all so to to sum up. I was hesitant at the hire because I watched what he did with young pitchers with the Cubs and just ruined Pryor's career and Wood's career with overuse. I hope he doesn't do that. We've got three young guys that are probably coming up this year that are going to be really something special. I hope he's smart about that. And I hope he embraces the analytics that, that built the team to begin with. Yeah, he doesn't, he does he doesn't embrace analytics. Yeah. But you know what, though? That, he doesn't have yeah. to embrace them. He just has to salute and execute if your nerds right. in the front office say, here's who we're playing today, or here's right. who we're sending down to AAA. We'll see if uh, – I would assume Dusty is going to realize he's got limited power 
uh, in this situation, and it's a great chance for him to win a World Series as he jumps yeah. into a still very fast car with a lot yeah. of guys who are pissed off and want to prove something. Okay, Mattress well, Mac. Man. Mattress Mac. Oh, God, is did this he, guy did he make another bet for the Super Bowl? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he's $2 million down on the Niners. This after oh, losing man. a bunch of money trying to bet against the Chiefs. Now, I know you've talked to about him as a revered yeah. philanthropist yeah. in the Houston community. That can yeah. all still be true, but yes. is his gambling actually a problem and not so much a savvy business hedge on his potential mattress giveaway losses? Uh, my guess is this is a beautiful work and that's what he's really, really good at. He is a showman. He is a philanthropist, but he is a showman and he is a salesman. I guarantee you, this is a way to generate a little bit of buzz and this is it. I don't think the guy has a gambling problem. His, his health is not spectacular. So I, I, I genuinely don't think that's what it is. I think he enjoys having fun with all of this. Uh-huh. Now, having said that, might ought to get a hold to Mr. X, though, and see if he can't shore up his betting a little bit. Sounds to me like he's uh, he's not exactly lighting it up. And X, uh, who I adore, by the way, and I, I, I owe all of my success in gambling, he is fantastic. Uh, he might ought to give him a shout. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's it's just funny because, you know, the, the story was, well, he's just hedging his potential losses on the Astros. Right. And then the stories are like, oh, yeah, he's betting insane amounts as well on the NFL playoffs. That's weird because that's not his lane. No, no. Well, there was a link, I believe, because there's still some affinity for the former Houston Oilers, now oh, Texas, the Tennessee Titans. Titans. Right. So there might have been something there. So this might have been a way of, oh, well, let's see. I got a little bit of buzz from doing that. Might be okay. nice to get a little buzz the other way. So, but yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know he was betting on the Super Bowl. That's, that's funny. <laughs> All right. So uh, in 20 yes, seconds sir. or less. What's been yes. the reaction to Bill O'Brien getting the official title of general manager of the Texans? Meh to suck. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> it's the darndest thing that a guy who is seemingly not good enough for what he's right. got is being given more power. It's a good metaphor for real life, kids. And Scott oh, will confirm with me principle. that right. This happens in businesses all the oh. time. Oh, a guy who God. should probably get fired usually ends up getting promoted and has more <laughs> responsibility. And you have to call him boss. That's usually what ends up happening. <laughs> right. You either call him boss or you get the fuck out of there and go get a paycheck from someone else. Life is that way. You got to do what you got to do. How's your golf game? Uh, it needs to be improved, but we'll get there by uh, by by Zay Vegas slash the Malcolm slash the Mick Malcolm. We'll get it straightened out. Can't wait, brother. Looking forward to it. See you soon, bud. All right. All right. Talk to you soon, bud. All right, bye. Let me wrap it on two things today. First of all, Kudos to Phil Mushnick, who continues to highlight the absurd and absolutely despicable smear of tennis announcer Doug Adler. Doug Adler was fired from ESPN because one reporter for the New York Times tweeted saying he had called Venus Williams a gorilla, G-O-R-I-L-L-A, when in fact all that Adler had said, a now 61-year-old former walk-on All-American tennis player at USC and a longtime tennis voice in ESPN, 
All he had done was praise Venus Williams for her successful guerrilla tactics, G-U-E-R-L, G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A, as in sneak attacking and asymmetrical warfare tactics, tennis, as in poaching the net. As pointed out time and time again by... Mushnick and others. Guerrilla style tennis had become such a regular spoken term that Nike starred and- Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras in a commercial playing, quote, guerrilla tennis. Just after Adler had praised Williams' tactics, Ben Rothenberg, a freelance writer covering for the New York Times, recklessly tweeted that Adler had just racially slurred Venus Williams. It was an absurd take, writes Mushtick, one that ESPN should have ignored or led to telling Rothenberg to get lost, perhaps even demanding a retraction from the writer and the Times for defaming their man with a toxic claim. Yes, you'd hope, you'd think, right? Not the case. But that tweet carried the digital signature of the New York Times, thus ESPN panicked like Chicken Little, figuring a published attack would next be leveled at Adler and ESPN... They fired him. As a B-team analyst, Adler was expendable to be sacrificed, and so he was burned as a witch. Great line. And no one, absolutely no one in the tennis world, including the race and gender justice-seeking Williams sisters, and the ESPN A-team that includes Chris Everett and John McEnroe, nor those champs at Nike, none of them defended Adler as the victim of a smear rooted in a conspicuously rotten guess. In February, Adler appeared to have finally received satisfaction. ESPN settled his wrongful termination, sued out of court, then promised to restore his tennis workload. He was made whole again, or so he thought. Instead, very bad has grown to worse, writes Mushnick. ESPN quickly assigned him to call two college tennis matches, college on regional networks. They have since ignored him. He was not reassigned to call the Aussie Open, this despite his nine years of experience at ESPN. His other broadcasting gigs, eight years of calling Wimbledon for ESPN, nine years for calling the French Open for the Tennis Channel, ten years of contributing to the world feed of the U.S. Open for the USTA and other assignments, have not been restored. It's ridiculous. Good for Mushnick for staying on the beat. And this is it for today. We don't usually do politics on the show. Well, maybe I do it sometimes. I try to stay nonpartisan, though. Nigel Farage, who is the guy campaigning for Brexit for many years, one of a handful of guys campaigning for it, got his ultimate send-off speech at the European Union. Note when I play this, I have no firm opinion on whether this is a great move for Great Britain or an absolute disaster. It's way beyond anything I've read or studied or know about. But I do love his style in telling the European Union to kiss his and the rest of the Brits' asses on their way out the door. Indeed, there's an historic battle going on now across the West, in Europe, America, and elsewhere. It is globalism against populism. And you may loathe populism, but I tell you a funny thing. It's becoming very popular. (laughs) And it has great benefits. 
No more financial contributions. No more European Court of Justice. No more common fisheries policy. No more being talked down to. No more being bullied. No more Guy Verhofstadt. I mean, I mean what's Guy not to like? I, I have know no you're going to miss is. us. I know you want to ban our national flags, but we're going to wave you goodbye. And, and we'll they, look forward in the future to working with you miniature as union jacks. If you disobey the rules, you get cut off. Could we please remove the flags? This is where the old the old marm running the European Union meeting is like cutting off his mic. Stop that. Stop that flag waving. Mr. Farage. Could we remove the flags, please? Could I please ask for quiet? (laughs) I'm really. Please sit down, resume your seats, put your flags away, you're leaving, and take them with you if you are leaving now. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye, she said. That's fantastic. Again, I have no firm opinion on if this is a great move or not. All I know is everybody in once in their life wants to have the perfect fuck you goodbye. That'll be a wrap for me today. Thanks for downloading. Remember to download the ZabeCast app. It's free. Subscribe to Friday's edition. It's not free, but it's cheap at only about 1.8 cents per day. Rate and review so our algorithmic overlords bless us. And hell, tell a friend who likes podcasts or, as I like to say, good things in their ears. Have a great Wednesday, and we will see you tomorrow.